We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. I am Rob Doster. That is Jeff Goodman. That is Terrence Oglesby. We are, of course, not Greg Waddell and Kevin Sweeney. Um, we wanted to address something at the start of the show. Uh, Jerry Fanta, uh, John's father, passed away yesterday, suddenly on January 29th at the age of 56. Um, we are obviously hurting for John, who is a very close friend for all three of us who are on the show, uh, our producer Dagan, our producer Trevor as well. Um, so before we got into anything that has to do with basketball, anything that has to do with what happened tonight, we wanted to make sure that uh, we addressed Jerry and sent our condolences to the family and sent our condolences specifically to John and Vicky. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, reiterate that. And, you know, when I talked to him yesterday, it was just so sudden. And uh, I think that was the hardest part hearing from Fan. I just kind of how choked up he was. And I know how close he was with his dad. And, you know, he put out a tweet earlier today that I want to read. Um, he said, he was my best friend and the influence for my passion. Jerry Fanna, you were the best father that a son could ask for. You were the best storyteller I know. I love you and we'll miss you, Dad, so, so much. Uh, John, we love you, man. And uh, anything you need, man, anything you need, we're here for you. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, there's some strange parallels with, with a lot of this because my father also passed away at 56, and he also passed away very suddenly. And uh, the, the, the really hard part is is the fact that the people around you, they understand that you're hurt, but they don't understand the impact in which you're hurt. And the hard part is is there's no fixing it. There's nothing you can do. And there's nothing, quite frankly, guys, there's nothing we can do to help John. And, um, you know, there's not, uh, I'm 35 years old. I have kids. I lost my dad five years ago in August. And there's not a day goes by that I don't think of my father. And um, what John's going through, it's a, it's a real thing. And everybody who knows John, he, he's, he's not going to slow down. He'll slow down for a week. He'll slow down for 10 days. And then he's going to get back to working because that's the kind of person that John is. But it's also something that I really want him to make sure that he takes care of himself because this isn't an easy thing. I was coaching whenever my father passed away. I didn't coach for much longer after that because I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle all the responsibility that was immediately thrown in my lap. So that's why I talked to you guys because I, you know, I needed to do something else and I needed to change up my what I did, and I found something that I loved. And John, good for him, he's already found something that he loves, and he's already found something that he's really passionate about. And while it's tough and it won't get better, it'll move on because this too shall pass. It'll move on. But you will constantly be reminded every day of what your dad does, did for you. And that's kind of the hard part about this whole thing is you can't help them but you can be there and there's a lot of noise going on in the world, but now you're your own man. And now um, it, it's, 
it's tough to put on the face that you need to put on. And John knows this. We've already talked to her. I've already talked to him. Uh, if he needs me or somebody to just be able to share his feelings with, I'm, I'm in there with him. So rest in peace to Jerry. I knew Jerry not, not well, but I knew him. I've met him in person several times and he was always polite and engaging. It's a sad day uh, that he passed away and it's a sad day for the Fanta family. So rest in peace, Jerry. Uh, we know Fanta is watching, so uh, we love him, and um, Jerry Fanta, he was 56 years old. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. Still a 68 after dark, uh, live Tuesday night. Um, let's uh, let's get to North Carolina, uh, going on the road to Georgia Tech. Um, 74 to 73, uh, R.J. Davis scored 28 points, but North Carolina didn't get any really anything else uh, from the rest of uh, their roster, which you would necessarily expect. And Georgia Tech picks up a win over North Carolina after beating Duke earlier this season, which is a hell of a way for Damon Stoudemire to get this program trending in the right direction and rolling in his first season uh, in Atlanta, playing in McCamish uh, Pavilion. Jeff, Georgia Tech beats North Carolina. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Damon's now taking down Duke, Clemson, Carolina. Now, they've struggled, which you knew they were going to be in year one. I just felt like at some point Carolina was going to be kind of ripe for the picking here. I thought it would be a Florida State. Uh, instead, it's it's Georgia Tech that came back from being down against Florida State in Tallahassee. You knew on the road at some point they would they would kind of slip up here. Um, again, like you said, Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan did not shoot the ball well at all. Cadeau's not much of an offensive weapon. Baycott's got to be more Baycott of what we expect. Like Mondo's got to step up here on nights when Ingram and Cormac Ryan are struggling and he's got to demand the ball and they've got to make him a weapon again, which he had been in the past. So I think T.O., like that's my biggest takeaway from Carolina. I love how well they played. I love their defense, but I think they got to get Mondo kind of going again and get his confidence back and get some aggressiveness back. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said there. I mean, Mondo is Mondo. We, we we know he's limited offensively. We know he can beat you up. And let's be honest, guys, like Georgia Tech's got a lot of bodies that could throw at somebody like Mondo. And while it has been a bit of a, a – I'm not going to say a slog because they've had some nice wins, right, uh, at Georgia Tech. But at the same time, like, it's a tough place to play. And whenever those guys get going, they shot nine for 20. And they competed on the glass. Let's be honest, guys, 41 rebounds. I know – North Carolina had 22 offensive, but still at the same time, like Georgia Tech's competing. Damon's putting them in the right spots. Uh, Cormac Ryan can't go three for 14. I think that's where your biggest concern is. You got to have that floor spacer. And quite frankly, nobody else in double figures besides RJ, you got to have more elsewhere. Yeah, RJ Davis has been fantastic this season. I think that he is right there in the conversation and may actually just be the ACC player of the year at this point. Um, but you can't just have one guy uh, go out there and, and go on the road and expect to win when no one else really plays all well. You're right about Cormac. Um, Goodman, I do think you're right about uh, Armando Baycott. The only thing I would push back on that is just to say that part of the reason why North Carolina is what they are this year is that Baycott has not been uh, the kind of player that has been demanding touches and demanding um, – uh, opportunities and demanding um, chances in the post, right? Like part of why they are able to win at the level that they're winning is that he kind of has been the team player that has said, you know what? Uh, I don't need to get 25 shots a game, 25 post touches a game. So it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword. There, That's I will fine. Say. Before That's we fine, but Cadeau is not an offensive weapon. So it's hard, right? Mm -hmm. If Cadeau is not much of one, which I know he's, he's had some better offensive games lately. I just think Mondo has got to be capable of getting 16 or 18 on a given night when those other guys can't. And that may be just, you know what, crashing the offensive glass and, and getting, you know, two or three putbacks. Whatever it is, I just think that the beauty of this team early was that they were more well-balanced. And now I think 
what you don't want to see is them being all about a R.J. Davis offensively because, again, the ball moved, and that's why they won some games, honestly, in final possessions. They were really good down the stretch where last year what happened? It was Caleb Love and, and, and you know, hero ball and the ball not moving. Well, the ball moved earlier this year. So, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you also – your two Stanford guys, your two Stanford guys both went three for 14. Like, that can't happen, especially on a, on a team where you're only playing seven. You're only playing seven guys. You can't have your two highest shot maker besides R.J. Hey, Davis, your second hey, and third Rob, offensive option. And, hey, Rob, tell T.O. that Notre Dame's not quite as prestigious academically as Stanford. <laughs> yeah, Cormac but Cormac Ryan started. He started at Stanford. He started at all right, Stanford. All right. All right so, all right. so like we'll the, those two Stanford. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but both of those guys going three of fourteen. Like you can't have that. They only, North Carolina only plays seven, and I understand. Like you know, they they don't like to crawl too deep into their bench. But th those two guys have been good this year, and quite frankly. Uh, they've worked so well around RJ because they don't demand the ball every time, and they've worked perfectly alongside Cadeau because he's so willing to give it up. But that play at the end of the game, hey, let's be honest, it's the, it, it looks very similar to what happened at Cameron Indoor a couple of days ago. And it all happened to be whichever home team was there got the call. However, that was, le that was more of a foul than the Clemson foul at Duke the other day. No call. Deci decisive no call. I, I just the consistency was bothersome among the ACC because in my mind the guy who challenged the shot is changing where his trajectory is. He's not going straight up and down, so he's following the shot and busting the guy off his spot. That was a foul. But you said it. There is consistency. It's called home home court consistency. Ah, oof. Now that was a foul. The one at Georgia Tech was a foul. The one at Cameron Indoor was not a foul. I could have been cleaner. I couldn't have imagined a way to play cleaner basketball than what. Fouls. I think they were both fouls, to be honest. I, I don't know how. Unless you're just yeah, handing I, look, him a layup, there's no foul. Yeah, I, I think I, I tend to look at um, I tend to look at the. Uh, the performance and the, the or the the foul call against R.J. Davis that wasn't called, and when you kind of get body checked like that and not knocked off your line, I think that that is more of a, a foul than um, somebody with uh, going vertical and, and making contact with um, an elbow. All right, let's uh, let's move on because T.O. I need to get to the game that is going to provide a little bit of inner turmoil for you and a little bit of controversy within hey, the other Carolina, the soul, the, uh, the 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 soul. Uh, of my man Terrence Oglesby, who is a Tennessee native and who currently lives in the great state of South Carolina. The Gamecocks, 18 and 3. They go on the road. They beat number five, Tennessee, 63 to 59, uh, behind 18 points on six to 10 shooting from your man, Teflon Cooper, Taylon Cooper, who has been terrific over the course of the last two weeks. He had 18 in the win over Kentucky as well. T.O., South Carolina has now beaten the top 10 teams. In the last rank week. them, talk to me. Rank them, rank them. They're tough. They're physical. They're not the tallest team, but they're big and strong. Like the SoCon All Stars are for real. It's time to put this <laughs> South Carolina team in the top twenty-five. He Lamont took all the all, all some of the best players of the SoCon, brought them to South Carolina. Understood these guys know how to play because the SoCon has a bunch of well-coached teams in that league. And he brought them with him to the SEC. And what happens? They're six and two. And to go into Thompson Bowling Arena, big time win, big time win. And they, guys, let's be honest, they needed a big time win uh, away from home. They beat Kentucky earlier this season in Columbia. That was a great win. But now you go on the road and you're able to beat a Tennessee team that, I mean, very much in line to be a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament at this point or going into the game. And Give Lamont credit. At this point, guys, I mean, I said this about Penny, too, and then it went down south. But at this point, <laughs> Don't Lamont Paris. Don't do it. Lamont Don't Paris, it. he's got to be it. If we're voting today, National Coach of the Year, Lamont Paris. He deserves it, man. And here's the thing, too. He, I, I was curious how it would go, his transition from Chattanooga to the SEC, because at Chattanooga, his players were much bigger, much stronger, uh, a little bit more athletic than the rest of the conference. He transitioned to the SEC. He slowed the tempo down. They're one of the slowest teams in the country, and he just picks you apart. The man can coach. Congrats to South Carolina. Big-time win in Knoxville today. 
Yeah. yeah. Listen, um, I, I saw him a week ago, Tio, and uh, I was like, all right, like they're going to be good at home. They beat Kentucky. They out-toughed them. They're men. You can look at them. And again, like you said, they're not a lot of, like not a ton of length, um, but they've got tough guards with Cooper and Michi, BJ Mack. They didn't even have Miles Stute that, that game because he was hurt, came back tonight, had a good game. But yeah, I mean, listen, what, what Lamont has done in year two, and it's funny. I mean, last year you're talking about you get Gigi Jackson and, you know, they're not very good. He's young. Um, it's kind of built around him. And now they add some pieces through the transfer portal and they're the right pieces for Lamont. And that's what he said before the game to me last week. He was like, I just love these dudes. Like they're tough. They play hard and they bought into to defense and they've got unbelievable chemistry and unbelievable chemistry in 2023. Goes a long way. Goes a long, long way. All right. Uh, I do want to, Look at the Tennessee side of things here, because this is a team that uh, a lot of people had pegged as a potential Final Four contender, as a potential national title contender. They got 31 from Dalton Connect. Dalton Connect is averaging 28 and a half points in SEC play this season. Um, when you're playing at home and you get 31 points from your best player and you only score 59, T.O., that is, that is not a great sign. The rest of the Vols not named Dalton Connect were 10 for 34 from the field tonight that is according to my sources not great not great not great you got to get more from uh jordan ganey i mean he, he goes over three but really the problem guys uh santiago vescovy i mean 10 points he's been relied on to score much more than that and then on top of that josiah jordan james it's like dude what when are you going to be that guy like everybody's waiting when are you going to be that guy he's one of three that's McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. He was just highly talented dude. Got to be better. Right. He's not. I mean, that chip is – Yeah, he's just not. He's not going to be that guy. He's a piece. But Zakai Ziegler is the guy, to me, that has to be better than he was tonight. Because he's the point guard. He runs the team. He sets everybody up. He's got to be able to get enough of his own. To me, great. Dalton Connect is, is the best transfer probably in the country. But they got to have Ziegler step up. He's got to be the second guy for them. Yep. Yeah, you say the best transfer in the country. He might be the second best player in all of college basketball. Listen, we got to get to a break. On the other side, we got to talk about two potential Final Four teams that won on the road against teams that have been dying this season. It's not great for Ohio State and Villanova. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Tuesday evening's edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have Jeff Goodman. I have Terrence Oglesby. We're live on Sirius XM and over on Stadium. Uh, listen, guys, we got to talk about this Marquette game, this Marquette win at Villanova. The Golden Eagles go in to Finneran Pavilion. Uh, they jump out to a 15-2 lead. They were up by as many as 20 in the first half. Blew that lead and then found a way to come back and win 85-80 to behind Goodman, 32 points. Nine assists, six rebounds, and three steals on 10 for 20 shooting and five of eight shooting from three from your favorite point guard in college basketball, none other than Tyler Kolek. What do you make of Marquette's win? I mean, he carried him. He absolutely carried him. Carried him early and then carried him late. And uh, I love Kolek because, again, he has fun out there. You know, he's talking trash to, to you know, the opposing uh, fans and team and, you know, you can do that when you go for 32, career-high 32, by the way. Um, he rebounds his position as well as just about any point guard in the country, including your boy, uh, Tristan Newton. He, he's the probably the best facilitator, I think, in the country, uh, I would say. Just the way he kind of probes. He can play in, in, in the – he play in the half court. He can push it. He can do everything. I mean, the kid can do everything. Um and again, there's no Cam Jones tonight. They go on the road. They beat a Villanova team that I know mm-hmm. has been struggling. They've lost now five of six with the only win in that stretch being at home against DePaul. So it's not like you're saying, hey, this is a, a statement win. But again, it's still a win against Villanova on the road in the Big East. So uh, Kolek, to me, I'm taking him over any other point guard in the country, bar none. Yeah, there's a couple of guys that are in that conversation. I think I, I had a chance to see Isaiah Stevens out of Colorado State. That dude's really good. Uh, but I, I'd say Kolick is is it, they're one A and one B in my mind, uh, and I mean that because Kolick, uh, his vision is incredible. But to go for thirty for a thirty two McNugget at Villanova uh, when the team's coming back, it, it's, it's what is Rob says doing a lot about the what, what I don't understand. Why does he have his hand over? over I don't know. Go ahead, Colin. Rob. Go ahead and finish this. It's what like, is this? Is this like an imaginary telephone? About, you're talking about best point guards, and you're getting a long-distance call from Tristan Newton. I'm just saying. like He's, he's, <laughs> he's not celebration when he makes it Trust three. me. It's a long there's no call. way he's Tristan you know. Newton is calling you. No yeah, way. There's, uh, the, the, here's the thing. It, it, Tristan Newton's very good, but those two – but Kolick and Steve, like, they're, they're creating – everything on their own like some of these things their offenses are geared around their playmaking ability Tristan Newton's very good not taking anything away but the offense is a little bit different so for the sake of the argument I would go with those other two uh but Kolick is special I mean Marquette fans enjoy this kid for as long as you can because what he's able to do the edge he brings you want to talk about a perfect player coach marriage and that's Kolick and, and Shaka Smart both with an edge both play a certain way uh, I want to be honest guys Villanova <laughs> I, coming into this year, everybody's like, well, look at this roster. Villanova's back. Look at this roster. Villanova's back. Like, hey, man, you lose what? What you say, five in a row? Four four out of five or something five, like that? Like, what is going on? Like, at some point, it ain't the players because that roster is loaded, and they spent a lot of cash to get that roster. They need to win. They need to start winning, and they're flirting with 500 uh, 
over the course of the regular season, not not in conference play in the regular season. So I'm worried about that situation there at Villanova, considering the fact that they have so many good players on the roster. Who do they not compete with from a talent perspective in the Big East? UConn? Yeah, I mean, UConn. Yeah, UConn. I mean, they don't have a UConn. point guard. Although Mark Armstrong was good for a stretch tonight. But but overall, yeah, he's fine. He, he's a backup. He's really more of a backup. The problem, it, it kind of looks like these guys just don't love playing. Like, normally, I looked at Villanova over the years, and, and they're robots, right? They're robots because that's just kind of the way, and there was a joke about them. But, like, you could tell they love playing with one another, even though they didn't show a lot of emotion. You could see it after the games. At least I could see it when you're talking to them, interviewing them, around them. I just don't know if this team really enjoys playing with with, with one another. And this well, is different. Listen, Villanova's done it on what? Evaluating, developing culture. It's hard to do that when you bring in all these transfers and with a, a coach who's unproven. Just, and last year they struggled. Jeff, I don't think it's just that. I think the biggest issue is that, um, and I said this the other night, is that I think Jay Wright was the, like, maybe the best teacher of basketball that we've seen in the college ranks in in, in decades, right? He just taught you how he wanted you to play. Like I, I've, I've said this a million times. They didn't run offense. They didn't call sets. They didn't have plays. They just went out there and they played basketball, right? And um, when you are trying to replicate that, and if you watch Villanova play, like they're not they're not out there running all of this fancy stuff. Like if you watch what Villanova does and you watch what UConn does, you look like you're watching two different sports on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that you can do that. And this is not a knock on Kyle Neptune, but he's not Jay Wright when it comes to teaching. But nobody is Jay Wright no when kidding. it comes to teaching the game. And I just right, don't think that you can do. You can try to do what Jay Wright was doing at the same level when you aren't elite at what Jay Wright was the best ever at. So I, I, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, come up with what you want to do. You're, you're not going to be able to do like do this whole. We're not running sets. We're just going to get a paint touch and create closeouts when you don't have um, when you're not able to teach the guys the way that you want them to play. Does that make sense, Tio? Yeah, well, it, it, that's absolutely right. And then another portion of that too is they've forgotten about some of their habits, like the the things that Eric Dixon would do when Jay Wright was there. Foul call that you didn't agree with, immediately you start clapping. It, it was almost that was the benchmark of how their behavior was. Whenever times were stressful, whenever they got irritated with anything, they would start clapping. The whole team would. There would never be a look towards an official. There'd never be anything. They've lost that. Uh, the ball goes into the post. Everybody continuously moving around the perimeter, screening on the opposite side. It's not there. It's not happening. They, there's a lot to be said there. Maybe Kyle Neptune needs to find what he's you know, going to believe in and what he's going to coach, but it's, it's not the same by any stretch of the imagination as what Jay Wright did because all those small details were taken care of to such a dramatic effect under Jay Wright where a lot of those habits are now gone. And there's small things like th these are things that other coaches see. These are things that people that have played a long time, like the clapping of the hands, the guys who have been around it, like you two, like people notice those things. They're no longer there. That's kind of the thing that kind of throws me off. The culture piece of Villanova that made Villanova so great for all those years is not really in play right now. And that's scary, quite frankly, because that you've lost it in a year and a half. That's scary. No, because there's new players because they's they're all new. Eric Dixon's still there. Guys that have been in other programs, like that's hard to you, do. You hope those in, guys. You hope those run. guys that stick around. You hope those guys that stick around help breed that culture into these new players. You see it whenever, for example, I have VCU this weekend. Ryan Odom brings a couple of players from Utah State with him to help move that culture. You look, Danny Sprinkle at Utah State brought some guys from Montana State with him just to make sure that culture keeps going. That those are the things that I'm a little bit shocked about when it comes to Villanova. That like. I would have expected that to have been better, considering Neptune's one's a Jay Wright disciple, and two, you have some some continuity with that roster. That's what's shocking to me. We got to move on. Dagan's in my ear.
Yeah. All right. So let's get to Illinois uh, going into Columbus and beating Iowa State. The final there was 87 to 75. Terrence Shannon had his best game since coming back from a suspension after he was arrested for uh, sexual assault. And when he was cleared, he finished with 23 points. He had 18 in the second half. Marcus Domask had 23 points. Ty Rogers, 13 and 10. Shout out to Jarrell McNeil. I know that's his guy. Um, the, the more interesting thing here to me, Jeff, is that, I mean, we know what Illinois can be when they're at their best. Um, what's going on with this Ohio State team? Well, when I talked to Holtman, I don't know, a month ago when they were 12 and 2, he felt like it was different than last year. Remember last year, I think they lost like 15 of 16 at one point. I mean, they got off to a good start. I think they were maybe like 10 and 2 instead of 12 and 2. And then it was the ultimate free fall. But he felt like with Bruce Thornton this year, it would be different. He had that leader. You know, Bruce Thornton was a freshman last year, point guard. He's a sophomore. He's got good habits, leads by example. And he felt like that was kind of the strength of, of the core of this team. But again, you know, listen, Thornton had an off night tonight. When you lose, it, it's it's tough to kind of stop this. And I think this might have been as important of a game in Chris Holtman's coaching career at Ohio State as there was. And I know that sounds crazy because uh, he's he's – you know, coached NCAA tournament games. But this was one they had to have. They had to have it because they got some winnable games in front of them. And if you beat Illinois at home, it's a resume win, number one. It's at home, so it kind of placates the fans a little bit that are right now on Holtman. And then you get some confidence. You get some confidence going to these other winnable games, uh, both at home and on the road. So uh, this one was disastrous to me for Ohio State. All right, Terrence. A couple of things. Illinois. A couple of things about Ohio State. Uh, over uh, uh, about Ohio State, like they started off so strong, and then over the last seven games, and I just looked this up. Bruce Thornton before the but over the course of the whole season, shooting thirty two percent. Over the last seven, twenty three. Roddy Gale shooting eight percent from three. They're just not finding shots, and they're not hitting shots. So it's it's kind of one of those things. Evan Mahaffey, not a great shooter anyway. He, he's an over right now. Like. The pressure, the ability to create shots. Dale Bonner, transfer from Baylor. Guys are thinking, well, he might be able to help coming off the bench. He's not a big scorer, but at least he can space the floor. 14%. Uh, Zed Key, not a three-point shooter at all, but he's down 11 percentage points inside the three. So it's it's one of these things like, can you continue to create looks in Big Ten play? Guys, that's hard. And I understand the Big Ten's down. still rugged league. It's still physical, and it's really well scouted. So you're going to have to create some things on your own. Besides Jamison Battle, they don't really have anybody else that can do that. Uh, Illinois, when they're good guys, they're good. And Terrence Shannon is really talented. At one point in the season, he was the second-best player in college basketball before all this nonsense. And I'm not going to address nonsense because I'm not big on nonsense. But he but he was one of the best players in college basketball. He, he's now starting to get back. He's a few games back in. And he moves the needle for Illinois to – wrap up second second place in the Big Ten, potentially win that tournament and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I just – I I love the – we call it booty ball, right? And I know there's our, there are coaches that do not get that excited when I refer to uh, what Illinois does as booty ball. But um, I, I just it, – it's kind of what – tell me if I'm crazy, T.O., what Illinois does yes. is kind of what Villanova wants to do, right? Where they get these guys isolated. They kind of go one-on-one. -on -one, they get a paint touch. And if they're going to score, they score. If they're going to create a closeout for someone else, they create a closeout for someone else. But you got two guys that are incredibly difficult to stop in Terrence Shannon and Marcus Domas. You got a five-man that can space the floor and shoot it and pass and do all these different switchable things defensively. And you got guys like Luke Goody. And, and um, I'm blanking on the Harmon kid's first name, but uh, he's been really good Justin. of late. Like they, You have really good – yeah, Justin Harmon. You got really good role players – um, around them, I just I, I really like the makeup of this Illinois team. And every time I see them play and see them play well, I get suckered into it. And I just know that that's going to end up blowing up in my face, and it's going to end up being like a second second round exit or something like that because there's they're going to have one of those Illinois games that always pop up. But the potential of this group, guy Jeff, the potential of this group is is to me as high as anything that you're going to find. Yeah, Domask has been awesome. Like, if if anybody benefited from Shannon being out of the lineup, it was him. He, he's turned into a great number two guy now. You got to get Shannon back tonight was his best game 
Uh, I think it's his fourth game back now. And it was by far the best he's looked. He shot it well. He just looked more comfortable. And again, yeah, I, I think they could be a second weekend team. I just don't know without a great point guard. I don't know if they can go much further than that. Well, they do have a great point guard, and his name is Coleman Hawkins. He's six foot ten, and he is the absolute game changer. We got to get to a break. On the other side, we are going to dive into the insanity that is the Big Twelve. Now that the college football season is in the past and college basketball is in full swing, I need to tell you guys about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm, the place for data-backed props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks. Backed by AI predictive models, Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly college hoops, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play, many of which have softer lines at BetMGM than you'll find in the NFL or in the NBA. With Rhythm, you get data-backed picks for every Division I game every day users get free picks daily with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access and for those of you already using modeling you can build custom sports betting models within the rhythm app itself i am a rhythm user and i found that i've been a better better when i focus on the lines where my gut and rhythms modeling are aligned to kick off the partnership between the field of 68 and the rhythm three people who download rhythm at the link below and create an account between now and the end of the day on thursday will be entered for a chance to win a free subscription with access to unlimited picks for college basketball the nba the nfl and more so if you want to increase your edge and win more bets Go to the link in the description and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H-M-M, the place for data-backed props and picks. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. It is Tuesday night. My name is Rob Doster. That's Terrence Oglesby. We have Jeff Goodman. We are live on SiriusXM. We're streaming over on Stadium, and we are live on our YouTube channel. Jump in the chat. Ask us some questions. Um, guys, we got to talk about the Big 12. There were three uh, relevant Big 12 games tonight. And where I want to start, T.O., is down in Fort Worth. Number 15, Texas Tech goes on the road and loses to TCU. Uh, the final score was 85 to 78. We got 23 points from Trevion Tennyson, who uh, has been one of the bigger revelations to me this season. Mike PB at 18 points, hit all of his threes. But more importantly, TCU picked up another big win, and Texas Tech fell back to the pack, and they are tied now with Houston atop the Big 12 standings. What do you make of this win for TCU? How important was this? I mean, like five. That league is such a bear. Five and three. If you're at that point in this league, I think you have to feel pretty good about things. This is a TCU team. Like they 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 flirted with some with some disaster up at Georgetown, uh, and then they end up winning on a call on a blown sideline out of bounds call. They end up winning on that one, and then they really struggled to kind of game some rhythm. Now they're starting to do it. This is big for them to win. It was at home. Uh, like for them to be able to get those guys playing well uh, between Tennyson, Micah Peavy, who's a high high volume guy, but he shot it well from three today. Uh, there's talent on that team. It's just a matter of how how they've been able to put it together, and the fact that they're five and three in league. I, I think they Texas uh, TCU fans should be thrilled with that. Uh, it's a hard place to play. Jamie Dixon's done a nice job down there, and Texas Tech. I, I don't worry about them so much. Uh, they do need to have a little bit more beside Pop Isaacs. I know Chance McMillan went for a few, but like you got to have more from Joe Toussaint. You got to have more from Kerwin Walton. Uh, they just didn't get it tonight. But all of that being said, uh, TCU is a hard place to play. Hard, hard place to play. Jeff, they're old. Yeah, they're old. Yep. I mean, listen. really old. And the thing, the thing with Texas Tech, like they were playing with house money, right? You've already won at Texas a couple weeks ago, and then you just won in Norman. So you play, I mean, imagine if they had won this game. They would have honestly been in control of the Big 12. They're already in first place going in. They're still in pretty good shape right now. Now, again, do we have confidence they're going to be able to sustain this? I mean, the key to me is, is Toussaint. Because I think you know what Pop Isaac's going to give you. Washington, McMillan's been good. To me, it's Tucson, and and he's been a guy who's just gotten better as, as his college career has gone on, and he's getting the opportunity now. But 
Graham McCaslin's done an unbelievable job with this program, getting it back on track in one year after the mess uh, a year ago. Think about that. Think about where they could have been right now. And uh, mm-hmm. he's done a great job. And, yeah, like Jamie Dixon, TCU, they're they're good. They're, they're one of those teams in the mix there. You know, it depends on the day. You know, like, like – They're in the playing conversation. Well. Yeah, they're, they're in it and, like – I don't know how much disparity there is between TCU and Oklahoma and, you know, some of these other teams down there, but Texas, a lot of these teams in in Oklahoma and Texas, like you're like, there's not much on any given day. They're just, they probably play 10 times and they split all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, Iowa state's the one that has kind of distanced themselves, which is shocking. And I think Texas tech has too. Yeah, the, the the middle of the Big Twelve is you can just throw them all in a hat and pick them out, and you got teams that are going to be like nine or ten seeds, um, n- everywhere that you look, right? And someone's going to end up getting bumped up to a five seed. They're going to be higher than that, Rob. To... Rob, they're going to be better yeah, no, because of their numbers. They're going to get great. That's seeds, what I'm saying. Is like someone's someone's right. going to end up getting a higher seed because of the fact that they play in this. Uh, in this conference where everyone that they get is a great win. And eventually somebody has to actually win some of these games. So um, I'm, I'm. Hey, can I make a point? Can I, we we talk about the metrics a little bit. We talk about the metrics a little bit. I'm a little curious about how the big 12 is gaming the net because I I was looking at this a little bit and the first thing everybody says, well, you have to play people. Well, what we're finding out is that not, is not necessarily the case. That's what administrators were being told. Like, you have to play. You have to play people. There's a problem. Because I was looking at it, and you look at the the uh, – this, this is all according to, like, January 8th. So I'm, I'm backdating a couple days. You look at strength of schedule around the Big 12, and I have this list here. Houston, January 8th, 219th in strength of schedule. BYU, who, remember, guys, really high in the net, really high in King Bomb, 306th. And then you have Iowa State, 343rd in strength of schedule. Cincinnati, 297th. Kansas is 59th because they played UConn. They played some other these big MTEs or whatever. Outside of that, guys, TCU played tell a 340th toughest schedule. Rob, That's a thing. Tell them, tell them how. Thing. Tell, tell them me. how. The you metrics aren't capped. The efficiency, the efficiency isn't capped. That is a freaking issue. So wherever they say, hey, guys, look, according to the net – you have to win. It's only capped at, what, a 30-point win or a 20-point win? However, the metrics for offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency are not capped. So when you blow out these teams, those efficiency numbers are out of this world, and it is screwing things up. That is not how it should be. If you're going to cap 30-point wins, you need to cap the efficiency numbers with those 30-point wins too because there's some – I'm going to be honest, guys. That Big 12, as good as it is, them adding those teams, the metrics should not be that freaking high. It shouldn't be that high. And there's some other conferences, namely my beloved ACC, that those metrics suck, but they tried to play people, (laughs) and they weren't beating people that bad. Here we go. Here we go. But I'm just – but, hey, even Central Florida. Central Florida. Hey, Central Florida. This wasn't about the Big 12 at all. It was all to try to to defend the middling ACC. Hey, Central Florida, who beat Kansas, and this was a huge shock, right? This was a major shock that Central Florida beat Kansas. 325th strength of schedule. So, like, what are we doing? That's my big question. Like, what are, are, is this league is as good as what we thought, or is it a bunch of middling? Is it like two two teams at the top with Kansas and Houston that are really good, but everybody says there's holes with Kansas, but then Houston's good, but they don't have enough offense. Like, are, is Big Twelve that good, or are the numbers just that good? Because the numbers, there's I, problems I, with I the numbers. There's problems with the numbers. I think it's. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that the Big 12 has a lot of good teams. I think they probably have two great teams, and they figured out if you blow out a bunch of bad teams, then your numbers look really, really good, and everybody, the rising tide lifts all ships. T.O., I do want to correct something real quick. You said something that was yep. factually inaccurate and frankly embarrassing, and you should apologize for it. Okay. You said January 8th was a couple days ago. It's January uh, 3rd, Three weeks ago, whatever. But three that weeks was, ago. That was, a, that was more than a couple weeks ago. What are we doing? That was just the list that I had. That was just the list that I had. That was just the list that I had. (laughs) Shout out to David Bell. I was walking around at 70 degrees on January 8th. Come on. Yeah. Oh, were you you in Charleston? Were you in Charleston? Listen, all right, I do want to ask you guys this. Um, Oklahoma goes on the road, 20 pieces, Kansas State. 
um, a Kansas State team that uh, just a couple of days ago, according to T.O., was sitting at four and one and tied for first place in the conference. Um, According to me? Yeah, according to you. A couple days ago. Yeah, yeah, just well, a couple days ago. Everything is a couple days ago. You know what Thanksgiving was? That's right. A couple, a couple days, days ago. ago. Same difference. A couple days ago. Yeah. The non-conference um, strength of schedule still reigns true. That's what that's what the point yeah, was, yeah. the non-conference strength of schedule. There you go. All right. Uh, Goodman, Oklahoma, wins at Kansas State. Give me some uh, some thoughts, some takeaways. I have no uh, segue into this game. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I just don't think Kansas State's very good this year. I, I just don't. I mean, they should have had Naquan Tomlin. Um, you know, they they got a couple players, right? They got obviously Tyler Perry and Kaluma, but they don't have enough. They don't have enough bullets. Um, and I think Oklahoma, you got to give Porter Moser credit. He did a really good job through the portal. JV McCollum's been awesome. Um, and some of the, you know, again, they've been exposed a little bit over the last few weeks, but I think they did enough early that they're going to be okay. But they may be one of the teams you're talking about, Rob. They could be that team that kind of gets in as a 10, 11 seed. And you want to play if you're a you know if you're a a, a six seed you want to look at a team like Oklahoma because I don't know I think they peaked at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, to Kansas State, how big of a concern uh, are we dealing with right now for Jerome Tang? I, I am concerned one because if your coach is that paranoid about somebody sitting in section one fifteen row twelve, uh, that's a problem. You, you shouldn't be that concerned. I don't know how quick information could get in a cell phone in a place full of 15,000 people. That is just not the case. Secondly, I think that Kansas State assumed that Tyler Perry was going to be um, very similar to what? Well, oh, gosh, brain fart. Kids, uh, point guard last Mar- year. Mar- I can't believe him. Yeah, he, they thought he was going to be another small guard like Marquise Noel. He just doesn't have that burst. He's not the same type of player. He's really a shooting, uh, he's really an undersized two guard where. Uh, Noel was able to create for everybody all those pieces around him. They're missing that piece. Who's that piece that's going to be able to really uh, get things going for his teammates? They don't have that this year. I'm worried about them. And then losing Tomlin as well certainly hurt. And let's be honest, like, you know, Kaluma's been good. Tyler Perry, underwhelming in my mind, much better at North Texas, hasn't translated very well. Yeah, you're you're right about the level of athleticism and, and the fact Marquise Noel was five foot six, but his quick twitch and his burst was uh, as good as Elite. you're going to find anywhere. Listen, um, we're gonna we're gonna head to a final break. On the other side, we have to talk about San Diego State and Colorado State. Now that we have the official Mountain West ambassador on the show for the Field of Sixty Eight, big news, guys! I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the goat himself, Tom. Brady. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do. Following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, Terrence Oglesby. We're live, Sirius XM, Channel 84, and we are streaming over on Stadium and our YouTube channel, the Field of 68 After Dark YouTube channel. Gentlemen, we have a couple more games that we have to get to into tonight. Um, and I want to start in the Mountain West, the league that T.O. loves more than anything else. San Diego State goes on the road to Colorado State who was coming off one of the most ridiculous, most unlikely, the uh, the craziest comebacks I've ever seen in my life. Wyoming came back from 11 points down with 51 seconds left and five points down with 3.7 seconds left to force overtime and beat, uh, beat Colorado State in Laramie. And they turn around at home in a game that they really, really, really needed and beat the Aztecs. Uh, Tio, where do you stand with with San Diego State right now uh, and with Colorado State? Frankly, those are the two teams I thought were going to be the two best teams in the conference, and now they're sitting there in like fourth and fifth place in the league standings. Uh, both teams, well, first of all, both teams are going to be fine. Uh, Colorado State really needed this one after dropping Nevada at Nevada, which I, I did that game, and they just didn't look good. The ball had a hard time finding shooters and guys just didn't knock down shots. And it, it felt like Nevada physically overwhelmed them because they have a bunch of big, sturdy guys. Uh, Colorado State doesn't have that. They have a bunch of guys that need to play with angles and find spots away from the ball, and they just haven't been clicking. So for them to be able to get this win at home, I think is huge, and hopefully they can get things going in the right direction because I really like that team. It's a fun team to watch. Uh, not the most athletic bunch. That could hurt them, but they have Isaiah Stevens, and that's all that matters. Uh, outside of that, I, I'm not worried about San Diego State either. They're built for the tournament because, one, they're big and they're strong and they're physical, and nobody calls fouls in the NCAA tournament, and that's not going to change this year. So I feel like at San Diego State's going to be fine. Uh, that league as a whole, really, really good. Uh Maybe not a top-to-bottom league per se, but still a league that their top six, seven teams, uh, they can give people fits on a given night. I think five teams in the tournament from that league is accurate. Uh, outside of that, uh, like these are two of them and two really talented teams. And the bottom line is Colorado State has Isaiah Stevens and nobody else in that league does. Yeah. Goodman, the, uh, the, the thing that's the really – Go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. Jeff. Go ahead. You go. Oh, all right. So the, the, the thing that really surprised me uh, about this league overall is that Wyoming, UNLV, you know, we, we said in the preseason that the best case scenario was probably that those teams were kind of like there was a there's a clear line of demarcation between them. And uh, Wyoming's sitting there five and three in the conference now. They just won on the road at Air Force tonight. And we talked to Jeff Linder on uh, on Monday. It, it's been, you know, I, I, I don't. I think the fact that that team had so many injuries and struggled so much in the pre in the non-conference portion of the schedule that now it's like they're beating all the good teams because they're healthy again and they got a good coach. You know, that's that's good for Wyoming. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for trying to get six, maybe seven teams into yeah. the NCAA tournament from the Mountain West. It's hard to win at Laradice now. It's hard hard to win in Laradice. I mean, the other 20, thing baby. is you look, you look at their schedule. Look at their schedule, and and again. They've still got Boise at home, Utah State at home, Nevada at home. So if they hold serve, they're going to be fine. They did so much work earlier in the season. And, again, I think you've got a great one-two punch in, in Stevens and Clifford. Um, you just need some of those other guys to, to you know, step it up a little bit. But what, what they've done, they're kind of playing with house money because nobody thought they would start the season, what they, you know, 13-1, and one, you know, big wins early. They beat Creighton on a neutral court, you know, beating Colorado, beating Washington. They just they, – they won a lot of games early that kind of they snuck up on some people. And, you know, again, that Wyoming loss, you didn't know how they respond. And, and that's the biggest thing about tonight for me is you lose a game like that, you don't know how young kids – and they're not super young anymore. This is an older team. But you don't know how they're going to respond to losing a game like that. Yep. All right. Uh, there's a couple other games that I do want to get to. Let's start with Ole Miss beating Mississippi State at home, 86 to 82. This was a win that that Ole Miss really needed. Um, I think I, honestly, both these teams needed it because of the way that their schedules kind of played out. But um, I don't know how much there actually is on this Ole Miss resume, Tio. Like when you watch them, 
I think that we can all kind of say that's that's a good basketball team, right? There's talent, there's versatility. Their metrics aren't great because they're like the one team in college basketball that won a whole bunch of games by like one possession. But yeah, they're starting to stack up some of Chris these Beard effect. The Chris Beard effect. Some of these, they're starting to stack some of them up. They beat Mississippi State at home. They won at Texas A&M on Saturday. They beat Florida. They beat Memphis and, and NC State back in November. And now you get Auburn at home on Saturday in what will be one of the biggest games of, of or big, biggest days of college basketball that we'll see this season. What do you make of Ole Miss, Teal? You know what? I've liked their team for a few years now. They just never were able to put it together. And now that Chris Beard's running ship, like how could you not like him? Now, their metrics are a little off, but defensively, what do they do? One, they turn you over. And if they don't get the steal, they're one of the best shot-blocking teams in the SEC because there's a lot of size around that rim, guys. And Matthew Morrell, we know he could shoot it. He's been able to shoot it, and now he's playing for a different guy. I, I like the fact that, one, they took care of the home court against uh we all know how rivalry games can go uh you get that they're not easy doesn't matter who you play not easy but the fact that they were able to clean that one up uh really impressive in my mind but let's be honest guys this is an Ole Miss team their metrics are bad because they give up points but at the same time they're able to generate a lot of their own points uh by creating all these live ball turnovers Uh, just a tough group and their length once you get in those four or five positions is really impressive yeah, Goodman, I know that you are a big fan of this Ole Miss team. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. Again, if, if you're just looking at, like, the top coaches in the game, Chris Beard's going to be somewhere in your top ten. He just is. Yes. I mean, again, when you take Texas Tech to the national title game, like, people who know, know. Like, he's an elite ball coach. Now, he's able to do stuff other people aren't because he's used to you know, new rosters. He's done it, you know, back when, you know, D3, D2, Little Rock, Texas Tech, Texas, wherever he's done it. So he's used to this. Where other coaches are frustrated and, and pissed off and complain, and he does it. He, he just kind of embraces this, like, new roster, even picking up two guys over the last month or so. You know, my question is, how long does it really take to, like, figure this out? Because tonight, I think he played, like, Cisse and and Jamarian Sharp combined, like, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Like, he didn't play the two Mm -hmm. bigs. Usually you would think, okay, they're going to split 40 minutes. Well, he hasn't done that. So I think he's still trying to figure out his group right now. It's almost like, you know, to me, like December for this Ole Miss team. So I wonder how high their ceiling is going to be, and can they hit it? Can they hit it in February? how much better they're going to be. Again, Jalen Murray's been one of the best transfers in the country, guys, coming from St. Peter's. Nobody saw this coming. Well, now, again, you put in Brandon Murray. He's not doing what people thought. How, what What's that locker room like? Well, when you're winning, hey, Brandon Murray, you can't complain, my man. You can't complain because you're 18 and 3. Go ahead. Try to complain. It, it's going to fall on deaf ears. So, I, again, I like this team. I don't count out Chris Beard with talent and i think he's got enough talent to be pretty dangerous the old miss does in the ncaa tournament yeah i I just i want to talk about juju murray because you you mentioned him um he never made an all conference team at saint peter's right his sophomore season at saint peter's he averaged 12 and a half points two and a half assists and shot 37 percent from the floor and 35 percent from three this year for old miss he might not end up being an all-conference player because, let's be honest, like the guard spot in the SEC is loaded. Antonio Reeves, yeah. all the guys at uh, Kentucky, Dalton Connect, Mark Sears, Wade Taylor. There is a ridiculous number of really good guards in that conference. Juju Murray yeah. is one of them. He's averaging 14.7 points, 3.8 assists, and shooting 46% from three, 45.4% from the floor. And tonight he had 21 points and 11 assists, and I believe the assists were a career high. So he has been uh, just sensational so far this season. Um, T.O., you got 30 seconds. Mississippi State, Tolu Smith is back. They're still 3-5 and five in the league. What do you make of the Bulldogs? 
They're going to play hard. James is a good coach. Josh Hubbard's been one of the surprising freshmen in college basketball, in my opinion. Uh, undersized. Everybody wondered kind of how that would work. We saw him play at Peach Jam, guys. He was an explosive scorer. I just didn't know how 5'10", a buck 85, was going to work in the SEC. He's still finding ways to score. It's a fun team. Tolu Smith is back. He hasn't been as effective. I just that SEC and their division is going to be tough. Yep. All right. Uh, the way that we end this show is always toast of the night. Um, Goodman, I think we all know who the toast of the night is going to be tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's you know pretty clear. Um, Jerry Fanna, um, John Fanna, uh, we're toasting you, your family, your dad, everybody around you. Uh, we love you, man. Again, I'm I'm gonna try not to get emotional at the end of this show like we all did at the beginning, but we love you. We miss you. And uh, stay strong for, for your family. And, again, we love you. That's all I can say. We love you, man. Yep. Looking forward to uh, to getting John back on the broadcast. Looking forward to getting John back on the field of 68 after dark. Especially, T.O., looking forward to getting John back on the DTF podcast. Uh, I don't I don't say this lightly that my favorite, uh, favorite hour of the week is when we jump on and we are able to just sit there and BS – for uh for a good 60 minutes and it never ends up being 60 minutes because it always ends up being about an hour and a half and we get in trouble because we never finish that thing on time it's great talking with you guys fanna we miss you right there we love we love fanna so listen this has been the field of 68 after dark the tuesday edition we'll see you guys again tomorrow night jump over stadium last call